All right, well, good morning. My name is Matthew, and I serve as the teaching pastor here at LifePoint Westerville. And if today is your first time visiting, we are so thankful that you chose to spend your Sunday with us, and we'd love to have the opportunity to connect with you, to get to know you, and to hear your story. And the easiest way for you to do that is to grab your phone right now, and on the seat back in front of you is a QR code. And if you'll scan that QR code, uh, you'll uh, open up a browser, And on the website, there's a guest info card. And if you'll complete that card, we'll donate $5 to one of our local ministry partners in your honor. Uh, You'll also find the notes there for today's message uh, that you can follow along with. Have you ever been misunderstood before or just not understood at at all? Maybe you're, you're having a conversation with your spouse and uh, you're clearly just not on the same page at all about something, or uh, you're talking with your boss, and you're trying to express a problem, an issue that you're having, and they're just not getting it, or you're, you're talking to your kids about something, and it's just like you're talking to a wall. No matter what you say, how you communicate it, they're just not understanding. You know, it can be frustrating when people don't understand us, when people don't understand what, what we mean. But you see, Jesus was someone who was often misunderstood throughout his ministry. People didn't get who he was or or the the message he was teaching. There was a lot of confusion around him and, and what he was all about. But here's what I find so interesting about Jesus when you look at his ministry. Despite being a guy that was so often misunderstood about the basics, there were times when Jesus would purposely teach in a way that would lead people to misunderstand him. He would purposely teach in a way that would cause confusion and where people wouldn't be fully tracking. You see, Jesus loved to use these things called parables when he taught. And parables were these fictional stories, these made-up stories that would have a deep spiritual truth hidden within them. And this morning, we're going to look at a parable called the Parable of the Sower, found in, in Matthew chapter 13. And it's really a parable all about parables. It gives us some insight into why Jesus chose to use this as one of his primary teaching methods, even though people oftentimes left hearing Jesus teach more confused and unsure of what Jesus was really all about. But before we we jump into it, I I just want to preface what we're going to read this morning. What we're going to look at, the the, the words that Jesus is going to say, because what, what Jesus says here in this parable, it has incredible relevance and significance for your life today, and even more so for your eternity. Like There's a lot of gravity, there's a lot of weight to what Jesus is saying here, and I just want to invite you today to lean in to what Jesus is saying to pay attention to what he's saying, and to honestly evaluate your heart and your life this morning. As we read these words, as we read this story, you would take an honest look at where you are when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1, the verses will be on the screen. You can follow along in the, the notes app as well. But it says this, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So at this point in his ministry, uh, Jesus was becoming quite the, the celebrity. 
Uh, he was a, a pretty big deal. There were large crowds that were following him, and people would travel miles and miles to see Jesus. They wanted to see, okay, what's he going to do next? What's the next miracle going to be? What's he going to teach? What is he going to, to say? And on this particular day, there were so many people there to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, that he had to get into a boat in order for everybody to see him and be able to hear him. So here's Jesus. He's, he's in this boat offshore, and all along the shore is this, this massive crowd of people waiting to hear what is Jesus going to say? What is Jesus going to do? And listen to what he says in, in verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, using these, these stories that had these spiritual truths hidden with it, within them. He said this, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed it fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, which produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus tells this story involving a farmer, some seed, and some soil. And obviously, if you're, you're kind of tracking with Jesus, he, he's not really teaching about farming. The, the story's not really about a, a farmer. He's not giving lessons on how they can grow better crops. You know, there was a, a deeper spiritual meaning to the story but nobody was really picking up on it. They're, they're not tracking with what Jesus is saying. It's kind of going over their heads. And even the disciples, the guys who had been with Jesus since the, the beginning, who had heard him teach, they're scratching their head and they're like, what is Jesus talking about here? What, what point is he trying to make? And look at what they say in verse 10. The disciples came to him and they asked, why do you speak to the, to the people in parables? Like they knew that Jesus was trying to communicate something really important that day. And they're like, why are you making it difficult? Why are you telling this, this story about, about farming and seed and soil? Why don't you just make it easy for them? Why don't you just tell them what you want them to know? Do you really want to be misunderstood? Why don't you make it easy for them? And listen to how Jesus responds in verse 13. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. You, you want to know why I don't make it clear and plain? He says, though seeing, they do not see. And though hearing, they do not hear or understand. For in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear me with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. So Jesus references this prophecy that had been made hundreds of years prior. And these verses were originally about the people of Israel back in the time of the prophet Isaiah. And although these people, they, they heard God speak, they heard his audible voice and although they saw God move in miraculous ways, their ears were closed, their eyes were shut, their heart was hard, and they refused to understand the truth. And now these people are doing the exact same thing with Jesus. They've heard him teach, they've seen the miracles, 
They've seen wonders right in front of their eyes, but they're not actually listening to what he's saying. They don't truly understand the message that he's communicating. And listen, it's not because the message is too complicated. It's not because it's over their heads or or too complex to understand. It's because their hearts were hard. Their hearts were calloused against the truth. The people of Israel back in Isaiah's day and the people of Israel in Jesus' time, their hearts were hard to the truth. And then Jesus looked at his disciples and begins to explain to them, here's what this parable is all about. It's going to give you insight into why I, I use parables. He says this in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil, that refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So Jesus begins to to explain this this parable to, to his disciples. And the, the different elements in the story represent different, different things. He says that the seed, it represents what he calls the message of the kingdom. It's the gospel, the, the good news of life and salvation through Jesus. And these different soils that he's referencing refer to the different responses to the gospel. So as the seed is scattered, as the message of Jesus is preached and shared and communicated, it lands on different types of soil. And there are different responses to the message of Jesus. And here's the the big idea that Jesus is trying to drive home here through this parable. It's going to be on the screen. Saving faith always produces a fruitful life. Saving faith will always produce a fruitful life. And for the next few minutes... I want us to kind of unpack and look at these different types of soil that Jesus is talking about. The different types of responses that people have to the message of Jesus. And I want you to look at them with your life in mind today. Not thinking about your spouse, not thinking about your kids' lives, not thinking about your your coworker or your neighbor or your family member, but thinking about your life. And to honestly ask yourself today, Which soil represents your heart? Which soil represents your response to the message of Jesus? So the first response that that Jesus talks about in this parable is that of the hard heart. And in the story, the seed Jesus talks about, it it falls on this hard path. It falls on on the ground. And before the seed ever has the opportunity to to find soil and take root and begin to grow, these birds, they come and they, they snatch it away. They take it away. And the seed is essentially wasted. And Jesus says, man, this is how it is for many people when they hear the gospel. They go to church and they hear a message preached or a friend or a family member will share Jesus with them. But the message, it falls on a hard heart. 
They don't understand it. They don't accept it. And it's not because they're not able to, but because they don't want to. Their heart, the soil, it's not receptive to the truth. And I found that that people can can have a hard heart against the message of Jesus for, for a number of different reasons. For some people, it's entirely intellectual. Like they can't wrap their mind around the, the story of Jesus, the, the idea that God left heaven and came and lived and died and rose from the dead. It just seems ridiculous to them. And they can't, can't make sense of, of, of rational thinking and faith. For them, those two things can't coexist together. And they won't ever consider following Jesus because they don't understand what the, the, the message of Jesus is. It just doesn't make sense to them. They have a hard heart against the gospel. For others, they they have a hard heart because of a bad church experience. They were mistreated and hurt and wronged by somebody in the church. Somebody disappointed them. Somebody let them down, and it left a bad taste in their mouth. But instead of just walking away from, from that church, they ended up putting up walls against God, and now they're not interested in anything that has to do with faith because of their bad experience in church. For some people, they have a hard heart because they feel like God has let them down. There's something that they've been praying for over and over and over, and God's not coming through. Or they lose a parent, lose a child, they lose a a friend, there's a cancer diagnosis, there's a, a job loss, there's some painful moment, some painful loss in their life, and now their heart has become hardened and calloused against God. Man, if that's you this morning... I I get it. I really do. If your heart is hard because of something that that has happened to you, some experience in life, but when our hearts become hard, that is a dangerous place to be because the, the more and more you resist the message of Jesus, the good news of salvation and life through Jesus, the harder and more callous your heart becomes. And now when the message of Jesus is shared, it doesn't break through your heart. And our enemy, Satan, he comes and snatches away what is being shown. This is a dangerous place to be when our heart becomes hard and calloused against the message of Jesus. The second response, though, that that Jesus talks about is that of the the shallow heart. And here, the the seed, it it makes its way to the soil. But the soil is, is very rocky, and the, the, the plant is unable to develop deep roots. And as the plant begins to, to grow, the sun starts to, to scorch the plant. But because there are no deep roots, because there, the, the soil isn't rich and deep, the plant begins to wither and to dry up. Its roots are shallow, so it's not able to endure. And I think this is a, a pretty common response that, that we see to the gospel, you know, someone hears the message of Jesus and they, they receive it with joy. I mean, it sounds like great news. God loves them. God can forgive them. They can go to heaven. And they're, they're, they're all in. They're like, sign me up. But they don't really understand the, the full message of the gospel. They don't really understand what it means to, to follow Jesus, to surrender their, their life to him. It's this very just emotional response. And then as life starts to get tough, As they start to face different challenges and obstacles, following Jesus stops being easy. 
It's not as fun as it once was. And because there's not a whole lot of depth to their faith, because they don't really understand what they've committed to, their, their faith begins to dry up and the wither and they quickly fall away because there's nothing there to, to sustain them when life gets hard. You know, I did student ministry for, for a number of years, and, and if you've ever been to summer camp with, with student ministry, I'm sure you've experienced this. Every year at, at camp, you know, there, there'd be students who would, they'd hear the message of Jesus, about how God loves them, and Jesus died for them, and Jesus rose from the dead and wants to have a relationship with them, and, and the, the, the lights are, are dimmed real down, and the band's playing, and it's really emotional, and they say yes to Jesus, they repeat the prayer, they raise their hand, they're all in, but they don't really understand what they're committing to. They're not really sure what it means to follow Jesus. And for a few weeks, man, they're, they're so excited. I mean, their excitement level's up here. They're coming home and they're trying to read through their Bible on their own and they're starting to go to church and maybe they're even getting baptized. But as the emotion of all of it starts to wear off as they come back down to earth, and they begin to face different challenges and difficulties at home or at school, or their friends start to make fun of them because of their faith. Rather than really pressing in and leaning into the decision that they made, they end up just walking away because it was really more about emotion than it ever was about commitment. But you see, even as adults, I think we can be guilty of this at times. We can fall into the trap where our faith is entirely emotional. It's all about feeling good and, and being encouraged. We want to find those inspirational verses from the Bible that we can throw up on, on the wall at home or put on a coffee mug. Or we want to find that two-minute sermon clip on Instagram that will give us that little hit in the morning to make us feel good. Or finding that, that new worship song where we really feel God. And we love the feelings that faith in Jesus can bring us. But if we're honest, there's not a whole lot of depth to our faith. There isn't a real level of commitment. And here's the problem with this version of faith. I'm not trying to pick on anybody today, but here's the problem. When that's your version of faith, when life gets hard and we face challenges, and listen, all of us do, that version of faith begins to crack and crumble under the, the, under the pressures of this life because there's nothing there to sustain it. There's nothing there to prop it up because its roots are shallow. The soil, it's, it's rocky. But then the, the third response that Jesus talks about is that of the divided heart. And I think that this is probably the most common response that we would see in, in churches all across our, our country. And here, the, the seed, it, it finds its way to the soil. And the plant, it, it begins to grow. There's a, a root system there. But it never really thrives. It never produces the fruit it was intended to grow. It always struggles because it's being choked by these thorns. And this is the person who hears the message of Jesus, and they, they accept it. Like, it's not just an emotional response for them. No, they, they understand it. They're committed to it. They want to follow Jesus. And, and they seem, from the outside looking in, they seem to be so committed. They do the church thing, and they follow the rules, and they're in a life group, and they're serving. And you would look at their life, and you're like, man, they are so committed to Jesus. They're really following Jesus. 
But on the inside, their heart is divided. They aren't all in. They have one foot in with Jesus and one foot in with the world. And they won't fully commit to following Jesus. They won't give Jesus their yes because there's something else in their life that's more important. And over time, time begins to reveal what their heart is truly seeking after. Something else or someone else has their attention and their devotion other than Jesus. Now, Jesus, he's, he's really speaking to, to non-believers here, people whose faith isn't real or genuine, but I think there's a lot of truth in this for believers as well. Because if we aren't careful, our heart can easily become divided and our faith can get choked out and become unfruitful. And what are the causes of that? What causes our heart to be divided? Jesus points to two primary things the worries of life, and the deceitfulness of wealth. Where are the worries of life? Am I going to have enough money to retire? Is my kid going to get into a a good school? Are they going to figure it out one day? Man, is the the economy going to be okay? Who's going to win the election? All of these stresses, all of these anxieties, all of these worries of life that preoccupy our mind and our time and our attention. And then Jesus says, in the deceitfulness of wealth, this belief that we can earn our way to happiness and security. This belief that, man, if I could just make fill in the blank, whatever that number is, then I would be set. Then I would be good. If I just had a little bit more, If I could just get that next promotion, that next bonus, if I could just get to that next level, then I would be happy. Then I would be content. And we end up placing our hope and our finances and our wealth, and it becomes this constant striving and chasing after something where we're never satisfied. The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Listen, there are so many things fighting for and competing for your attention and your devotion. So many things trying to pull you away from what matters most your career ambitions, your 401k, your home renovation projects, politics, your kids' travel ball. And listen, these are not bad things. They're not inherently evil. But when they become the priority, they can choke out the life of your faith and it leads you to an unfruitful life for Jesus, an unproductive life for Jesus. You don't become all that God has designed you and created you to be. And can I say just a quick word to those of you who are parents of elementary school, middle school, high school kids? Because I don't, I don't say this as someone with a lot of parenting experience. I have a three-year-old and I have a one-year-old. I, I haven't been there, done that. But I've worked with a lot of middle school and high school and college students over the year, over the years. And listen, they know what the priority in your family truly is. They know if it's Jesus or if it's something else. And if Jesus and being involved and invested in your church become optional for your family, if they become something you try to fit into your schedule when there's not a weekend tournament or you don't have a weekend getaway planned or you don't have a really long and exhausting Saturday and you need to rest and catch up, if it's not the priority, they pick up on that. They notice. You can tell them it's the priority, but they look at how you're actually living. They look at your actions. And if Jesus and church aren't the top priority for you, 
they're going to be even less of a priority for your kids. Listen, when our hearts are divided, when the worries of this world, the, the, the deceitfulness of wealth become the priority, then our faith becomes unfruitful. It never really thrives. It never reaches its fullest potential. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our attention and our devotion from the things that are trying to pull us away from following Jesus. But then Jesus gets to the final response, which is that of the fruitful heart. And here the the seed falls on, on rich and deep soil. And when it takes root, it doesn't just grow It thrives. It produces a crop. It produces fruit. Jesus says 30, 60, 100 times more than what was sown. And notice, the seed has always been good. The seed is the same every single time, but now it has found receptive soil. And this is the picture of somebody who's truly understood the message of Jesus. It's not just an emotional response where they raise their hand and pray a prayer and then fall away a couple years later. Their heart's not divided where they have one foot in with Jesus and one foot in with the world. No, 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 no. They truly get it. The message of Jesus, it's taken root in their heart. They haven't just believed the right things about Jesus. They've surrendered their life to Jesus. And the word of God has fallen on receptive soil and it has produced fruit in their life. What does that mean? What does that look like for there to be fruit in our life? Well, we looked at this verse last week. Galatians chapter five, Paul writes this. But the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of saving faith, it's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul's saying for someone who's truly responded to Jesus, who's truly placed their faith and their hope in him, their life is marked by love for others, by joy in the middle of difficult trials, by peace when they're surrounded by chaos and anxiety all around them, by faithfulness when they're facing hardships, by self-control when they're tempted. When the word of God falls on their heart, they receive it and they respond with obedience. Now listen, they're, they're not perfect, they're not sinless, And there are seasons in their life where if you looked at their life, there would not be a whole lot of fruit. But they go through dry seasons. But if you look at the totality of their life since they trusted in Jesus, you see fruit. You see evidence of saving faith. You know, just as fruit on a tree is evidence of of good soil, our lives are evidence of our response to Jesus. Our actions and our words and our priorities, they reveal whether or not we have truly trusted in him. And the fruit in our life or lack of fruit reveals the kind of soil that we are. So I just wondered this morning, which soil represents your life? Which soil represents your response to the message of Jesus, to the gospel that we can have life and salvation through Jesus? Is your heart hard towards God? Has it become callous because of something that's happened in your life? Was following Jesus for you maybe just more of an emotional decision and now that the emotions have kind of worn off, you're kind of back to just living your life how you want? 
Is your heart divided by the things of this world where there's something else that has your attention and your devotion? Or have you truly received the message of Jesus? Has it taken root in your life and produced true, lasting fruit? Saving faith always produces a fruitful life. So our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Man, this morning, maybe the seed is, is, is landing different than it ever has. And today, for maybe the first time, it's, it's falling on, on good soil. And your eyes are being opened to the truth of, of, of what it means to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. And if that's the case for you, I, I would just encourage you at the, the end of this service or even during this next song, we have an area called Next Steps in the back of the room. We have people from our team there who would love to talk with you about what it looks like and what it means to follow Jesus, to help you take that next step in your, in your faith journey, whatever that may be. So Father, we, we thank you for the, the truth of this, of this parable. And right now, Lord, I pray that we would take an honest look at our heart and our life and the response we've had to, to the gospel, to you. Lord, if our heart is, is, is hard towards you right now, God, I pray that you would begin to, to break hard hearts. God, maybe it, it was more of an emotional response and we've fallen away, Lord, that even right now we would begin to understand what it means to truly commit our lives to you. God, for believers who know you, who trust you, who love you, but if they're honest, man, their heart's divided. There's something else they've been chasing after, something else that has their attention and their affection and their devotion. Right now, God, I pray that they would repent of that, that they would turn and they would look to you for their hope and their, 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 their fulfillment and their satisfaction in this life. God, may your word fall on receptive soil right now. Jesus, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.